0: Oh, I'm Max. I'm Elena.
1: And I'm Jim. And this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Max, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug?
0: Hi, I'm Max Yamasaki. I would like to plug uh, potatoes. They're cheap. They store well. Uh, and and they're pretty good. You can make them into lots of things.
1: Aren't they a superfood?
0: Yeah, they got uh, vitamins in there. Uh, you get a lot of calories for your money.
2: And if you have them with like milk or butter, then it's like a complete food.
0: Yeah.
2: It's all your amino acids right there, I think. Right, right. And
0: who doesn't want a potato with some butter? Yeah. Great.
1: Yeah, yeah, the potato and dairy. That's interesting. So so there's superfoods which are a complete nutritionally complete by themselves, but then there's also pairs of foods which are together superfoods.
0: Yeah. I personally prefer the pairs. I feel like if it's already a superfood on its own, I'm like, well, there's no need for me to get involved. (laughs)
1: That's right, right. It's just going to jump down my gullet by itself.
2: Yeah. You have to bring the two superfood complements together though, when it's a pair. This
1: reminds me, I need to write a topic about the word super.
2: (laughs) What about it?
1: All right, we can just just hash it out (laughs) right now. Okay. (laughs) I just remember seeing um, somebody talking about how The word super used to mean, like, in the the sense of, like, supernatural, Mm -hmm. it meant not just extremely natural, but something beyond the idea of nature. Yeah. And they were hypothesizing that super meaning, uh, just as an intensifier, started with Superman's super strength, where he's just really strong. Huh.
0: What does it mean in the word, like, superintendent?
1: Like, Uh, above, right? Above, Yeah. Oh. Uh, but then someone else was pointing out, uh, I'll see if I can find this Twitter exchange. Someone else was pointing out that when Superman, for example, lifts a car by the bumper, mm-hmm. what would actually happen is they would just rip off the bumper. Right. But the fact that he can actually do that, lift up the car, the whole car by the bumper, maybe he does have something that is like beyond the, our concept of strength.
0: <laughs> yeah, he can lift concepts. Like he doesn't lift just the object he's touching. He's yeah. just, uh, lifting like the whole idea yes
2: which for us would be ineffable to him is effable
0: the
1: gestalt of the car
2: yeah yeah
1: and then i was gonna talk about like the idea of superfoods meaning not just really good foods but it's like it's something beyond the concept of food it's like <laughs> the next step
2: it's chicken soup our... for the soul
1: right antidepressants <laughs> are a superfood yeah <laughs> i guess i don't i don't need to have that topic anymore we just did it Ooh. you're welcome job done Elena would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug
2: I guess the thing that I have to plug is that um I'm going to be performing in this secular solstice thing in a few weeks it's like December 12th and I think there's going to be like an internet stream of it there usually is so like Uh people could watch that and I would show up and sing sometimes and also other people would do things Ooh, what is that
1: how many of those yeah actually that's a better question
2: the, the secular solstice. Um, it's like, I don't know, like a holiday sort of thing where like people get together and like there's like speeches and performances that are kind of on the theme of like going through like the the dark winter and coming into the the new year sort of thing, I guess.
1: Mm. Nice. Yeah. And how, how many of those have there been since I last went to one?
2: Since you last went to one? I think you went to the first one that I ever performed in, which was the second one there ever was in the bay. I forget when I moved to the Bay. Was it would have been 2014? I think.
1: And there's been one a year. Yeah, one every year. I remember not liking it. Have they gotten better at doing this sort of thing?
2: It depends on what you're
0: into. <laughs> okay, all right. And sorry, did you say is it a? Did you say it a? It was a parade, or did I? Have <laughs> it's not a parade.
2: <laughs> oh man. <laughs> no, we do it on a planetarium now,
0: which is pretty cool. Oh.
2: A lot of
1: my issue was organizational. Like, it just was a poorly run event.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, the one you came to was the second time we'd ever done the thing. Right. People have gotten better at running the event these days.
0: Okay. And you're singing in it?
2: Yeah. Cool. I, I'm in a choir, and I'm also going to be doing, like, some smaller group songs with, like, a duet or a trio.
1: Mm-hmm. Are we ready to start on some topics?
2: Love topics. Sure. Yeah.
1: A linear topic is Been playing Celeste recently, and I'm real into the themes of conflict with oneself. Versus acceptance of oneself.
2: Yeah. I had been told that Celeste, like, was a good game. And I had been putting off playing it for years because I'm like, I don't, I'm not bad into platformers. But then uh, when I was, this is just a little bit before I started my, like, trip to Europe, I was like, I'm going to pick up this game. And I ended up playing it a bunch. And it's really good. It's got, like, this really emotionally compelling story where, like, you're, You place this this girl, Madeline, who's like, she hates her life and nothing has meaning. So she's going to go climb this mountain. And like, then she like, I don't know, she like confronts herself like metaphorically along the way and struggles with herself and like has conversations with herself and ultimately reconciles with herself. And it's just like surprisingly moving. There's like a lot of scenes that I was just not like, expecting something that impactful out of it, I guess. Did
1: you know that the the lead developer of that game, after making Celeste, realized that she was trans and changed her name to Madeline?
2: I had heard that, yeah.
0: I started playing it somewhat for that reason.
2: <laughs> that was actually one of the few things I heard about the game before. So, like, as I was playing the game, I was like, okay, so, like, when does the trans happen? Is there trans in the game? Is Madeline, like, the same why? Yeah, I
1: don't... Like maybe maybe in the DLC. Yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't get to that part.
0: She, the developer, has a good uh, little article answering questions that's, like, people basically being like, oh, is are you Madeline, the the game character? Oh, cool. The summary is like, oh, s- sort of. Yeah, that makes sense. In right. the way that, like, yeah. I didn't intend so, but obviously so. Yeah. <laughs> and like right.
2: I can definitely see how, like, the theme resonates with, like, the trans experience of, like, you know, there's some part of you that you're struggling to accept and that you ultimately reconcile with, right? Yeah. Even though it's, like, not really explicitly called out as that. Um, and, like, in the game, like, they it, it explicitly talk about, like, depression and, like, panic attacks and that sort of thing. But I, like, at least as far as I've gotten, and I've gotten pretty far, I have not beat the whole game, but that turns out because there's just, like, a lot of unlockable content after you beat the main storyline. I beat the main storyline.
1: Okay, sure. And,
2: yeah. like, at no point in that are they, like... And the, like, specific thing is transness. But, like, you can definitely see how it could connect.
0: Yeah. As far as I know, I don't think that it it gets to be explicit in that way. All right. I don't think I'm that far. I just passed the hotel. Oh, God.
2: The hotel was probably the part <laughs> that I, I, like, I was the most frustrated with. There's just something about the way the little, like, spirit gunk things move that...
0: Yeah, the... F- <laughs> It's so fuzzy. Uh, uh, God, Uh, fuck.
2: Yeah. (laughs) But, like, in general, one of the things that, I don't know, like, that really impressed me about Celeste was I felt like the core gameplay loop, it's strongly, like, emotionally consonant with the, like, narrative themes of the game as a whole, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. It was really interesting, because I don't know if this is actually right, but in my memory, that came out around the same time as... Getting Over It with Bennett Foddy. Yeah,
2: they feel similar in that way.
0: And they're, like, somehow, like, just very similar, but very different. Yeah. In terms of, like, Celeste and Getting Over It both are, like, accompanying you up this mountain. Mm -hmm. But, like, it feels like their reasons for doing so. And the reasons for presenting you this mountain are very different. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that.
2: Yeah, I feel like in Getting Over It, there's, like, kind of, like, less... I don't know, like, support for, like, getting over it. Like, it's not guaranteed that you will. You might never get over it, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I think that's most likely in the vast majority of cases. Right. People people do not finish that game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He says in the narration, he's like, you probably won't finish this, and that's okay, and you'll probably watch this on YouTube or something. Yeah. Right, right. Whereas
2: Celeste has this really amazing array of accessibility options.
0: Yeah. I had so much trouble allowing myself to use those in any way, (laughs) even though I am not skilled at platformers and I have like disabilities with my hands.
1: It sounds like you also have a disability of being willing to use it.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I, I'm I'm kind of the same way and I'm not proud of it, but what I'm not proud of is that I'm too proud to use the cheats.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I I definitely had that pride throughout like the entire main storyline and for like, a bit of the like post main story content, but it got to the point where I was like, it was starting to get too frustrated, and I was like, okay, I really want to see this story through, but I don't want to like destroy the f- like the fun that I'm having. So what can I do here? Yeah, I have only so far used two, well, kind of three of the assist options. That's like. I can't quite bring myself to give myself like infinite stamina or whatever, because that feels like it's making it into kind of a different game. Hmm. Like the challenge isn't the same, but I like I use the like slow down time one a bunch and dash assist because I can't, this bugged me so much the entire game. And when I discovered that there was a dash assist, I was like, oh my God, really? (laughs) It lets you confirm which direction you're going to do the dash in. And I so often would be like, I'm trying to dash right, but I would dash upright. Or something.
0: Yeah.
1: But So is it just like a little compass that shows you which way you're pointing the, the stick?
2: Yeah. Like when you have dash assist on it, it um like when you go into dash, the screen freezes for a second and a little oh. arrow points in the direction that you are signaling you're going to dash. And then you like press it confir- to confirm that, which yeah. I still managed to fuck up, by the way.
1: Yeah. No, that's okay. That's much nicer than what I, I was imagining like. It was at all times. There's a little arrow showing you which way, which direction you're pointing the left <laughs> stick. You know, you remember how on the like the GameCube and the N64 there were uh, little indentations to yeah. to lock the stick into eight way. Basically, that was nice. Yeah, and I think that this game wants that to exist. It really does. Uh, but it doesn't in most modern game pads, and so instead they're, they're doing it in software. But as a result, what that you you don't have, like, a tactile feel for which direction you're actually pointing. Right. And showing you on screen what direction you're pointing would help a little bit.
2: Yeah, I can see that.
1: And that's what I was imagining you were saying. Yeah. Or you were doing.
2: That makes sense. I was actually wondering, like, if this game is, like, easier on other platforms. Like, I'm playing it on my Switch Lite, but, like, maybe it's easier on some platform where, you know, you have distinct arrow keys or something, right?
1: Yeah. Did you try the D-pad?
2: I did, but... I think my muscle memory for the, the th- th- thumbstick is just too strong because I like kept finding my thumb just going back up to it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I did end up using the D-pad uh, and it has been nicer mm. for me. Yeah, I believe it. But I did have to like tilt the controller significantly to get my thumb away from uh, <laughs> <laughs> the joystick. Yeah. To try and like... You put like spikes on it, so... <laughs> yeah. I bought some anti-bird spikes. I
2: was just thinking little Pigeon spikes. spikes.
0: <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I actually um I have I have added that to someone's switch. Uh <laughs>
2: Pigeon spikes?
0: No. <laughs> yeah. Uh uh eight way like grooves. Oh. One of the things I do that I like to do is people will hire me to make assistive controllers. Oh cool. One thing I have done is mounted a bigger joystick uh in someone's switch uh into the Joy Con so oh. they could have, like, a little bit easier time with it. Yeah, that's neat. And I'd used the one from uh, Wee Nunchuck, and in my initial pass of it, uh, I had, like, a rounded bevel on the base, mm-hmm. and they were like, can you actually add back? Because that one, I think, originally has, like, the eight-way thing on it, too. Okay. Uh And so I had to make a new base plate for that, and it did have the, oh. the eight-way grooves.
2: Awesome. That was such a good design. Or you could
1: just take, like, a Dremel to your Switch <laughs> and, like, carve little... <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so Elena, I think of Celeste, when I think of like the core gameplay loop, I think of this is this is like what you get when you take uh, the platformer, mm-hmm. Super Mario Brothers, which is like, which has been the Ur game for a whole generation of gamers. Yeah. Then people have just been iterating on platformers by just making them harder and harder and harder <laughs> to the point where like the loop of playing the game mm-hmm. is so small that it's effectively gambling. And so you're just rolling the die on any given attempt at a given screen until you come up natural 20 and then you can get to the next screen. Wow. And I'm wondering what that you were saying. <laughs> yeah. If you, could, you were saying you could connect that to uh, <laughs> the themes of, of self-acceptance.
2: Um, so I guess I have a slightly different experience of the core gameplay loop to start it doesn't feel like random chance so much. Uh Like one of the things that I guess I liked about Celeste, I I guess I can't even say more than other platformers because I don't play a lot of platformers, but I don't play a lot of platformers because they don't usually appeal. Like they don't feel fun to play, but Celeste like actually like felt fun. It was like a good level of challenge. Mm -hmm. Like for me, it was like, you keep trying to do some like small task. Like each level is composed of like, you have to do this, then this, then this, Right. And, like, part of the, the difficulty of the level is, like, the puzzle of figuring out, like, which sequence of moves you need to execute, and then the other half is executing them. And, like, the puzzle part was always, like, the, like, most fun part for me, but executing them, like, still, like, I could see, like, myself getting a little bit closer, like, oh, I, like, I did it a little bit better that time, um, like, let me make this slight change to what I'm doing, okay, that, like, had this effect, that was, like, better or worse, and it gave me, like, this, like, very strong experience of, like, the game is about, like, this, like, struggle with, like, your own abilities and, like, struggle with, like, mental illness. And it felt like a similar sort of, like, you're facing, like, these little tiny challenges. is like, everything you do is slightly difficult. You keep trying and you iterate and you find a way to do it.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah, I like that. I bounced off Celeste a while ago mm-hmm. and I... I've had like a pretty mixed record of enjoying platformers Mm -hmm. and I tend to get uh, discouraged pretty easily when it becomes to the point where I I don't even know like all right like is this even possible in this way or am I just like seeing this level wrong yeah I I don't tend to get on with them but I came back to Celeste and it kind of felt like with what Jim was saying about uh, all of the years of like built up like just people refining, like, Super Mario Brothers, Mm -hmm. like, into something extreme. It felt like, I was like, okay, someone has made, like, someone else's shrine accessible to me. Oh, interesting. It did feel like visiting uh, a religious site of someone else's religion, uh, but you can still have, like, a spiritual experience.
2: Yeah, you, like, get to, like, feel the holiness of the space. It feels sacred in some way, even if it's not to you.
0: Yeah, and the game does a good job of being, like, a guide to that space, so it doesn't feel completely alien, but it's recognizably, like, ah, this is a culture of something. And then it's it's just kind of giving you a guided spiritual experience within that.
1: That's really neat.
0: I like that a lot. Yeah. Sorry, this is, like, a jump <laughs> back to, like, accessibility yeah, options. Yeah. But I was... Recently, I went to a movie with some friends, mm-hmm. and there was a friend of a friend there who mid movie pulled out their phone and looked at the wikipedia summary for the movie oh and i was just in shock at this yeah but they were saying afterwards like yeah like i just couldn't process visually and audio wise like what was going on uh and i just sometimes need that to just understand and enjoy the movie huh yeah
1: it's it's like super subtitles yeah
0: yeah and i was like okay okay fair enough
1: like, yeah, sometimes I'll look up the Wikipedia summary for a movie that I'm watching because uh the anticipation of what, what might happen is too stressful. Oh
2: yeah. Mm. I, I definitely know people who are not into suspense. Like I really try to avoid getting spoilers on anything. Like, if somebody I know like I, I know knows my taste, recommends me something, I'm like, tell me no more, I will consume it. I want not to know nothing about it. But my friend is like she wants all the spoilers. And she wants to know exactly what happens going in, which mm. is just a totally different experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely lean much more your way on that. Mm.
2: Yeah. This is why I haven't uh, watched any of the apparently really impressive like speed runs that you can do in Celeste because I'm like, I want to beat the game myself before I get spoiled.
1: <laughs> mm. For me, it's it's either changed in the last like five years or I've kind of just come to terms with it for the past in the last five years i'm not sure which one it is Mm -hmm. because i used to identify strongly as someone who wanted to go into everything without spoilers Mm -hmm. and i'm curious like is it the state of the world that made me seek like the least stressful possible possible media huh Mm -hmm.
2: i feel like for me like if i were going to flip it would be a matter of like wanting to prioritize my time differently maybe Mm mm-hmm because like, definitely like there are like media related experiences that I miss out on because I try to avoid spoilers. Like I can't share in like fandoms as much with my friends until I catch up. Right. Right. And so like, maybe if I like decided to prioritize that more, I'd be like, well, okay. The- having that like first experience where I'm, I'm going in blind and trying to figure things out as the story unfolds before me is like not as important as like that community feeling.
1: Yeah. yeah I've also um, just, in the past few years, just have, I have no patience for difficult games. Mm-hmm. Like I just am not interested in in getting good at an artificial skill set, yeah. which is it puts me in an interesting position with like platformers because I can still play a lot of platformers because
2: you already got good at that skill set.
1: I'm am really good at them already. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like, uh, even if like something like Celeste, I you know I don't breeze through it, but I only get mildly frustrated.
2: Mm-hmm. I want to watch you play Celeste now.
1: We could play Celeste together. You should come visit. All
2: right. Ooh. I'm I'm done traveling for the next bit, so I can finally do things in the area.
1: Yeah. We should make Thanksgiving plans.
2: Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> are, we, uh, are we ready for another topic? Sure. Max, your topic is the Museum of Jurassic Technology and when it's okay to lie to your
0: audience. Yeah. I guess the two precursors to this topic are uh, the Museum of Jurassic Technology, which, if you don't know about it... I don't. You shouldn't, but you should go to it if you're in L.A. Uh Uh-oh. And what's tricky is I now want to describe it for the audience.
2: Uh, Should I, like, go get a a glass of water while you describe it to the audience? Or will I just be
0: totally lost for the rest of the conversation?
1: Also, the the entire audience should go go get a glass of water
0: while Max describes this. I'm going to describe it. Okay. Everyone should go get a glass of water. I'm going to go get a glass of water. I'll be back in a minute. Okay, so the Museum of Jurassic Technology is an art installation in LA that presents itself as a museum, and it has a variety of, like, exhibits, and it's super unclear how old they are, and it's super unclear, like, what they're supposed to be about, where it has, like, a very old-time museum, like, push a button and it plays a video that describes the museum, and by the end of it, you have no idea what a museum is and what this place is.
1: And also there are birds.
0: Yes. It ends in a rooftop garden with birds uh, and dogs and uh, some
2: drinks.
1: Oh, I didn't, I didn't see any dogs.
0: I think the dogs, I don't know. Are
1: the dogs new? Maybe.
2: (laughs) Can I come back yet? Um, Yeah, we're
1: talking about birds and dogs.
2: Yeah. Oh no, I don't know. I'm going to come back.
0: Okay. Okay. Come back. Anyway, what that relates to with this topic is... I've been on TikTok recently. Mm. I saw this weird account that was like, it's it's a very uh, like creepy pasta kind of thing, nice. where this person is like asking for advice about their house because mm-hmm. something's weird is going on, and it's not very well done. It's very cheesy, <laughs> uh, and there is like some sort of glitch with their house that allows them to like teleport around, and there's weird beings and things disappearing. Mm-hmm. The one interesting thing about it is it uses like data moshing and like glitch effects for when things are moving in a way that gives the sense that like the camera can't capture the weird things that are going on. And I thought that was really neat. But it presents it as being like totally real, Mm -hmm. is what it says. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I think that's fine because it's not. And this is just like a story that's being presented over many TikToks. Right. But it's kind of on that line where then there's, like, fake information online and, like, bad recipes and things like that. And then there's just, like, a creepy story that's told as though it's true. How weird does your thing have to be before it's okay to present it to your audience as though it's true?
2: Huh.
0: <laughs>
1: right. I mean, well, this is, a uh, um. even when you're, like, when you're telling jokes, a lot of the time telling a joke just takes the form of telling a lie. Yeah. And, and the yeah. only difference is that the intended result is that the audience will understand that this is a false statement and think it's amusing.
2: That's like the entire premise yeah. of satire as a genre. Yeah.
1: If they don't understand that this is intended to be amusing, then they, then they might just think you're lying. Yeah. Or they might believe you and be confused.
0: Right. Yeah. And not going back to spoilers for it, but like the Museum of Jurassic Technology does not tell you what it is going in. Okay. Like, in that way, it's not really lying about what it is, but you have to just, like, be willing to take that leap of trust.
2: Right. We're not going to tell you. You get to find out. Yeah. yeah I feel like a, a lot of writing kind of takes that form more. like, it's kind of on you to figure it out, right?
0: But there's a lot of books, like, I mean, generally our sections, right, are, like, nonfiction and fiction. Yeah. And so it's hard to present a story as being, like, ah, here's a story, Without clarifying that. But.
2: I don't know, like if you're like on Tumblr, right? Like half of the posts are somebody telling a story about their life and half of the posts are somebody just saying some weird shit.
0: Mm, yeah, that's true.
2: And like sometimes people will like tag, you know, story or fiction or like, I don't know, content warning, non-reality. But
1: mm. Have you been following along with how we've been discussing dreams in the Topic Lords Discord?
2: I noticed the Dream React and I I saw some posts with that.
1: <laughs> right. So the way this has gone is uh your dreams go in the announcements channel.
2: Okay.
1: Uh you 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 talk about what happened in your dream. And it's lately it's gone through a kind of a transformation from like uh like I would start my dreams with in my dream such and such happened. Mm-hmm. Uh but then for a while people were doing this thing where they would only say it was a dream at the end of the story. Uh-huh. Uh, and so you you were you were reading like someone's weird relationship with their parents right. and then find out at the end, oh wait, Hitler, or like maybe in the middle you'll realize like, Oh, this is a dream.
2: Uh-huh. It's like lucid dreaming for real life. Yeah. Right. You realize you're in somebody else's dream,
1: right? Right, and uh, at, at some point, people started tagging like instead of saying they w- it was a dream, they all just they would type slash d at the end,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: and then I created the slash d react so that people could tag other people's stories with as dreams.
2: <laughs> Is that what that's for? Oh, that's great. <laughs> I was like wondering because I had just seen it like in my react list, and I was like thinking of like the friggin' four chan board, and I was like, what?
1: Oh, wow.
2: I don't encounter slash D as a thing much. <laughs> so I guess that was the first thing I thought of, right?
1: right. I think that would be slash D slash. It would. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. So I was
2: like, this is, uh, and then it said dream. And I was like, okay, hmm. <laughs> and I like I went and I read something and I'm like, uh, I was like, those those are dreams.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but now that I know like the etymology of this, I'm much more delighted.
1: Right. Can you search for text that has been tagged with a certain reaction
2: i don't think so which is really unfortunate
1: yeah i wish you could
0: that would be great
2: but like definitely been times when i like wanted to find like wait i want to know like which posts have been reacted to with this thing or like i want to find this one particular react and i remember like what other reacts were on the post
1: (laughs) yeah yeah I, i get the impression that like if you have nitro your your life is just like you're Drowning in React options. God, it's true. You need to write a SQL query to find the right one.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's like especially unfortunate because I'm on like a zillion servers that have the exact same set of emoji duplicated across them.
1: Oh, what happens if there are name conflicts and you type one?
2: You get valid tilde one, valid tilde two, valid tilde three, up to like however many there are, which is especially annoying when there are a name Like, collision, but not actually an image collision. Hmm. And there's, like, a specific image I'm trying to pull up, but, like, the first ten are this other one.
1: I see. So, I I thought you were going to complain that, like, these are all the same image, or at least the same idea. (laughs) So, why not just pick one at random? But it sounds like valid can mean lots of different things.
2: Uh, I don't know if, like, valid is actually, like, the best example of this. Maybe I should, like, scroll through my Discord list right now. But
1: This is not... But not necessarily the the way the conversation needs to go. Like
2: one really frustrating one, actually, that comes up often is like Discord lingo in the corner of Discord where I hang out. Where like, if you like want to hear somebody like say more about something, you put like the ear react, like I'm listening, and if you just like type in like colon e a r, it brings up all of the hearts first. So I have to scroll through like a thousand different hearts, like rainbow hearts and sparkling hearts and hearts with every pride flag on them and like the poly heart and like little like cow emoji, less than three hearts and like hearts that are animated. And then finally I get down to ear.
0: Yeah. I am always afraid of using an innocuous one from the wrong discord (laughs) in a way that like is like inappropriate or something i don't know
2: I, I have actually i had that happen once somebody used like the eyes emoji on something and that like i don't remember what it was but in context that like was very suggestive and i was like are you flirting with me because this is not the <laughs> venue i would have expected
0: that i really like that ear thing because it's like mimicking the missing physical social cue of yeah. just like seeing people attentive
2: yeah i i like having like the reacts be in that kind of like paratextual back channel that like body language fills when you're face to face. I think it works really well for that. Yeah.
1: I need to invent and then ship to every, everybody who's on topic lore is a little like box that plays a tone that indicates that you, you want to you have something to say.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have an idea. Like you could have a, a sheet of the topic bucket. Mm-hmm. That just has a line as like, place your cursor here if you have something to say.
1: That's actually not a bad idea. Like, that's actually really clever.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's like the one piece of technology that we're all going to be using for sure. <laughs> like, placing my cursor over here
1: now. Ooh. Are we ready for another topic? Yeah,
2: let's go, let's go on. All right.
1: Uh, my topic is human jaw shrinkage. Uh, and I'm going to open up this Wikipedia link to remind myself of the thing.
0: Uh, so I was afraid to click on this.
2: Yeah, I haven't clicked on it either. What? What? Tell us what it means. Uh,
1: human jaw shrinkage is the phenomenon of continued size reduction of the human mandible and maxilla over the past twelve thousand to fifteen thousand years.
0: Oh, oh, not with an individual. Oh. Thank you. Oh,
2: okay. okay. Wow, that's that's relieving. I am aware that our jaw has has shrunk over our evolutionary history.
1: This isn't like a disease.
2: I, I was thinking <laughs> it wasn't even a disease, but that it was just like the human condition, right? Like. Just something about people that I didn't know that, of course, your jaw shrinks over time. <laughs>
1: God. It, I mean, it, it kind of is. Um, <laughs> no, you can't tell me that. What I thought was interesting about this, and I, and I had known this too, that our jaws were smaller than they used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing that I thought was interesting that I had recently found out about this is that this isn't evolutionary. This is dietary.
2: Oh, I thought it was like... Evolutionary in response to diet. Is it, like, purely physiological in response to diet?
1: It's purely physiological. It's purely, like, you chew less. Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: Like, I I knew that it was, like, you need, like, a bigger, stronger jaw if you're going to, like, be eating, like, fucking raw nuts constantly with these shells on. But I didn't realize that, like, it's not a matter of, like, we we weren't selecting for people with strong jaws. We just did stop building up our jaw muscles. And
1: like, this is why we don't eat tough grains and nuts all the time anymore. And
0: that's mm-hmm. why our wisdom teeth don't fit.
2: Whoa. So
0: could you prevent that just by like, like feed your,
2: your child only the toughest of seeds and grains throughout yeah. like their entire like adolescence. <laughs> and then when they get to the wisdom tooth age, it'll be fine.
1: Uh, I, I think that would work.
0: Oh man. Wow. Is Winston too old or can you start this?
1: I, I bet he's not too old, but he he really likes like applesauce and olives.
0: <laughs> well, just give him the pits too. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I'm realizing that my series of encouragements for your parenting has been give Winston knives, give him the pits of olives. So.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's good to have a wide variety of advice. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the things that people kept telling me about you know being a parent is like you can look at the, you can look at the uh at the bookshelf in a bookstore about parenting and you'll see all sorts of different parenting styles and parenting techniques and they all work uh in the sense of like they all produce an adult that can get a job Function
2: in society <laughs>
1: right yes <laughs> what I didn't like think of at the time that I was being told this was that like well okay but these kids are gonna have vastly different interiority mm. and I'd also like a kid to make a kid who doesn't have a bunch of complexes as well
2: that'd be cool yeah is there a parenting book specifically on how to not give your kid a complex
1: uh, I don't I haven't seen one yet damn it
2: is there a human without a complex like maybe this is just an unsolved problem
1: no I don't think so but
2: uh you can do your
1: best
0: my roommate showed me earlier this evening an interview with this woman who She has that type of condition where she can't feel pain ever. Yeah. She can't feel pain, but she also... She doesn't experience fear or anxiety. Whoa. And she did not know this until she was 65. Whoa. Because she just kind of was like, oh, I guess this is normal. Right.
2: Did she just think it was a metaphor every time people talked about that?
0: Yeah, and I guess it's one of those things where, like, you know, if someone has a condition but it doesn't impact your ability to function in society, then like, it's not a problem for society. Yeah,
1: it, it could be like, they thought that this was like, well, yes, I can, I can intellectually foresee situations that I would rather avoid. That's fear.
2: Surely. Yeah. It makes me think about the, the blog post about like, which universal human experiences are you missing? <laughs> People who realize that they don't have a sense of smell, and when people talk about smelling things, that's like a real thing that actually happens to people.
1: Right, right. Well, I like the the idea that all the all three of these things go together because then, like, if you like cut your toe or something, uh-huh. and then like your do- the dog eats your foot and you don't notice, <laughs> you won't have a problem with it. Like, you won't be afraid of it happening again.
2: <laughs> and- I feel like you might still have some negative feelings about it even if they're not fear or anxiety. Well,
0: a disappointment. I think you might feel kind of bummed about not having even
1: feet. Right, right. You now, now you have to walk with a a big limp.
0: Uh-huh. In this interview, she talked about like she was in a car crash and she was like really surprised with how like alarmed uh her friend that was also in the car crash was. She was like, oh, wow. oh, yeah. And then she described that she loves She's like, I love gardening without gloves on because I just love the feeling of holding nettle and pulling out nettle from the ground. Wow. <laughs> She's Why? like, it feels so tickly and fun. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man. Okay, this, this is making me think of an experience that I had recently, recently like a year ago. Last Christmas, uh, a friend of mine gave me some calamondine marmalade, marmalade that he had made. I had never had a calamondine or even heard of one before. So I was excited to try this stuff. And I was like describing to him like, oh, yeah, this is really delicious. I like love the way that it's, you know, like tart and citrusy and bitter and etc. And then I was like describing how like, and I love the way it like gives your mouth that like tingly numb kind of feeling. And he's like, what? And I'm like, you know, like when you're eating like a candied orange peel and like your mouth goes kind of numb and tingly. And he's like, no, it
0: doesn't. <laughs>
2: and apparently I'm allergic to citrus
0: oil. Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: yeah, who
1: knew? <laughs> like you've just been like this your whole life? I
2: mean, who knows? Maybe it started last year, maybe it's been I mean, I guess i it can't have been last year because I, I, I this has been my experience of candied orange peels for as long as I can remember, but I don't have them that often so it's been at least like five years because I made candied blood oranges not long after moving to the bay Right. but yeah, I went and I got like a little bit of like orange oil like I have like some that I had been putting in a diffuser right? And I just like took a little dip of it and like dabbed it on my lip and my lip just went numb. And I was like, huh.
1: That sounds like fun.
2: Yeah, no, it's honestly, it's enjoyable, but maybe it'll lead to
0: anaphylaxis. Yeah. Recreational anaphylaxis. (laughs) Wow. My boyfriend, I was going to anonymize this, but I'm just going to describe it. Uh, My boyfriend has had this thing of caramel sauce that he's been putting in his coffee for at least several months. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he was complaining that, like, he's like, oh, God, like, it makes my tongue go numb. And I was like, why are you still having this? he's like, well, I like a caramel, like, you know, I like caramel in my coffee. You could get additional caramel. (laughs) There's there's probably caramel
2: in the world that doesn't make your mouth numb. But
0: he has uh, chronic pain. And I think this this concept of just like, oh, there's a pain cost for everything. So it doesn't need to be. Whereas, I think, to me, it's just kind of less than imaginable. How
1: many spoons do you get back from from drinking caramel coffee?
0: Yeah.
2: You that positive. Yeah. yeah. And maybe not being able to feel your tongue is
0: good if your tongue hurts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, right. So first you have to give yourself a paper cut on your
0: tongue. <laughs> yeah. I actually kind of did this, I realize, as a kid. Give yourself a
2: tongue paper cut? Well,
0: my, my dad would give me these, like... I think they're pretty popular now, like extra, extra spicy instant ramens. Mm. Uh, He would be like disappointed if I visibly reacted to it. (laughs) Uh, So what I would do is I would drink really hot tea to burn my tongue first. Oh, wow. So then I wouldn't react to like the spicy ramen. And I thought I was really clever. What
2: a life experience. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. I mean, like, I guess in a way you were clever.
0: I I did what it took to to win the game. You did. (laughs) Human jaw shrinkage. Yeah, spicy ramen. It just keeps getting
1: smaller. I can't wait to see the uh, the incredibly minuscule jaws of the future.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> little tiny baby jaws. Yeah.
0: People's heads will be like a an inverted teardrop shape. And then, oh, we'll be so cute uh, drinking. <laughs> now I'm
2: thinking of like, there is like a specific like infant chin, right? Like babies have a specific chin, like before like they're... Like teeth and mouth fully develop. Maybe that's just how we're going to be. Yeah.
0: It does link at the bottom of this to like neoteny and can't wait. Yeah.
1: Is is that also a thing? Like, are we getting more childlike because of our diets?
0: I don't know if that one's diet, but we're, I think there is a theory, and I'm going off of like an older Radiolab episode, I think, on this, but we are getting like softer uh, with like overall we have, uh, we're less violent as individuals and we have bigger eyes
2: yeah and i think like the there's like facial features that like are neognizing like the the brow ridge and stuff which i I don't know maybe the jaws
0: are
1: we ready for another topic sure uh for this topic we're going to be reading a poem
2: uh, which is feeding the worms by denusha lamaris
1: oh thank you yeah Would would you like to read this
2: i would love to read it Should should, do I just read it through and then you guys comment afterwards or like, what's the procedure? Yeah.
1: Read read it through. And then we talk about it. All
2: right. Ever since I found out that earthworms have taste buds all over the delicate pink strings of their bodies. I pause dropping apple peels into the compost bin. Imagine the dark writhing ecstasy, the sweetness of apples permeating their pores. I offer beets and parsley, avocado and melon, the feathery tops of carrots. I always thought theirs was a menial life, eyeless and hidden, almost vulgar. Though now, it seems, they bear a pleasure so sublime, so decadent. I want to contribute however I can, forgetting, a moment, my place on the menu.
1: I really like that poem. It's a good poem. Um, That's really good. I think there needs to be more verses about how, like, you also throw away, like, The cat shit's on the floor. (laughs) I'll I'll wipe it up and put it in the compost. Yeah. And I hope the worms enjoy that too. Right? Yeah. Like,
2: I, I I was wondering as I was reading this poem the first time, like, there's a lot of gross stuff in the compost. I wonder if that tastes good to worms.
0: Yeah. It's interesting how it is, like, at what point do things become gross? Like, how mixed or how singular? Like... Because it's like, if there's a lot of one chemical in a thing, we start to smell it more. And there's certain ones that are like, oh, this is rotten or this is spoiled. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when things are just like mushy enough, it it's kind of gross. Oh, yeah. Even if it doesn't smell bad or anything. I don't like a mushy fruit. Yeah.
2: I have a friend who like, her like range for like what, r- like where a fr- fruit is ripe is, like, that's, like, inedibly overripe. Oh, man. When we lived together, she was always annoyed that I would, like, eat fruit fruit before they were edible. <laughs> She'd never get them.
0: Uh, I may have... I forget if I had already said this on a previous thing, but, like, I I have my personal fruit ranges where it's, like, how good a fruit can be versus how bad it can be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think of, like, apples as having, like, a relatively small range. Like, they yeah. can be grainy and it's not great. And they could be really good, but it's like it's not that far from the really grainy ones.
2: There are some fruit that are like really high variance, like blackberries are a super high variance fruit. Yeah, like the best blackberries are amazing, but bad blackberries are terrible, and the ones that you're going to get in the store, who knows? Yeah,
0: and like <laughs> right. pears, I feel like are really high for me, where they're like a good pear is pretty delicious and a bad pear is the most inedible of any like <laughs> a
2: bad pear is just like a rock
0: it's yeah. like biting into wood well it's either build- biting into wood or if it's too soft it's like mush that is beyond uh, comprehension yeah and i'm like this is not food it's like
2: somehow grainy and just like disintegratingly mushy at the same time
0: yeah if i was a worm mm-hmm. and i was i was tasting things like i guess it's kind of like that charlie and the chocolate factory tunnel thing you know it's like, a, it's a full body experience, but that's just what you're used to. So it's like if going on the bus to work was just that like chaotic Willy Wonka tunnel. <laughs> and so you're just like going through the cat shit and it's like, oh yeah, you know, here's like all of the things the cat ate. Uh, and it's just like flowing over your body in this like stories of that cat's week. Hello. Yeah. That's a cool way to think of it. It's just a Tuesday for that worm.
2: Yeah. It <laughs> is sitting there reading the cat
0: poop. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I also have to point out that like at the end of the poem where they bring in Oh, and also this one's about
0: death too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I do like the, the slight nod. Like like all art. Yeah. <laughs> it's not art if it doesn't have it isn't
1: about death. Like there's like, oh shit, I wrote a poem that's not art. How can I fix it?
0: Yeah. What is the like reminder of death thing? It's like memento, memento mori.
1: Memento mori, Povich. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like uh, the opposite, where it's like memento like vivi, <laughs> and it's just like oh, reminders sure. of life. Yeah. And I've been trying to get enough of those in my life.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. Google Photos has this feature, right, where they'll they'll like remind you of of things that happened in your past by like showing mm. you that you took this photo two years ago, right? <laughs> Yeah, and I noticed for a bit that like I like I just take photos of random stuff. Like a lot of it is like a thing that I wanted to remember. So it'll be like a note or like like a screenshot of something or like I don't know like a picture of like my pill bottle or somebody's glasses prescription. Two years ago, you took a picture of your passport. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, huh, okay. Um, and some of them would be worse than that because, you know, like I would have been taking pictures of like the last moments of, you know, our beloved cat mm. and I'd be like, oh, two right. years ago, your cat died. Yeah. And I would just be like, thanks, Google. So I've actually been making a, a concerted effort these days to just like when I see something like small and nice that makes me like happy to see it, I take a picture of it, mm. hoping that. You know the algorithm will decide in some future year to bless me with the memory of this pretty little flower I saw today.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, you could also just turn that feature off, which is what I did. Like I did that because I don't want Google like thinking about my photos. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, on the other hand, like April has the feature on, and she's constantly like just like sharing, and by sharing I mean like pointing the phone at my face, uh-huh. like not not like sending me a link these little movies that Google makes where it has little montages of here's, you know, Winston three years ago and then there's, like, some sappy music.
2: Oh, God. My friend was telling me about a bad experience with that particular feature recently. Go on, though.
1: Uh Oh. You know, I do actually really enjoy it. I, like, actually really, really... I think those are very effective. Yeah. I can imagine some extremely bad experiences one might have with that feature.
2: Yeah, theirs was just, like, creating, like, a little, like video album of, like, a trip they had made to Europe, and, like, playing a jaunty little tune over the whole thing, and there was just, like, a brief period where they were, like, visiting, like, the Holocaust Memorial at a concentration camp, and it was just playing a jaunty little tune.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that that's not nearly as bad as I was imagining.
2: Oh, it, it could get way worse, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel like they should be doing like sentiment analysis on the photos or something. If they're going to be doing this. Yeah,
1: would... it's difficult to do sentiment analysis on a photo.
2: Yeah, it's probably like, does it contain a smiling face? Right.
1: But also like the the meaning of a photo, Your like your personal meaning of a photo can change over time.
2: That's super true. Yeah. Like if it shows me a photo of my ex, I'm like, oh. Hmm.
0: Right. It should give you an unlabeled square that it prompts you for every photo, right? And it says touch somewhere in the square while looking at the photo. And so it gives you just kind of like, all right, where does your thumb lay for this photo? And then it's just got this odd metric of like, you can kind of use that however you want, where it's like, all right, so this is like an X photo, so that's a, a bottom left. Hmm. And it, it groups things by where they fall on this grid.
2: So you're just creating like an arbitrary two-dimensional space for people to to try to sort themselves in rather than like, doing some sort of statistical analysis to determine dimensions.
0: Yeah, yeah. I like giving people unlabeled unlabeled spaces. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> unlabeled interfaces that they subconsciously learn how to use.
0: Yeah.
2: It definitely would be like, really nice to be able to, like, put tags on my photos, though. Like, be able to be like, this that. is a photo of, I, I don't know, like, these are plant photos or, like, these are uh document photos or whatever and be like don't show me this category
1: yeah i'm surprised that it, it doesn't recognize like documents as something not
0: to do a emotional montage about. <laughs> it theoretically does but like passports get in there because they have a photo on them
2: ah uh, that yeah, explains a, it there's
1: a there's a face in there yeah
2: my smiling face in the passport
1: <laughs> right uh on idle thumbs they have uh like one of their fans sent them a painting of Jay Allard, mm-hmm. who' is a, the Microsoft employee who was like who they have like a mimetic uh, relationship with, where they, they like talk and think about him a lot. Okay. Um, they have like who was it? I think it was Jake talked about how he's taken so many photos with this painting in it that Google has like tagged it as one of his friends.
2: <laughs> oh, it's that guy.
0: Yeah, it's him again. <laughs> I was just thinking about using that as your tag system because it, it like if you look up cat or plant, it will do a decent job of judging like that's in the photo. Mm. So what you could do is you have like a face that you hold up in the corner of document photos, <laughs> or like you hold this up in serious moments in the corner of your photos.
2: <laughs> at any time where I'm like at a funeral or feeling sad. But also taking photos, I just, like, I, I, the person that I'm taking the photo, I'm like, could you just hold this sign that says sad in parentheses? Yeah, yeah.
0: There, we solved it. (laughs) Or I have another solution for you, Mm -hmm. which is just to mix what you're doing at all times. So, like, when someone needs a photo of a document, Mm -hmm. you don't just take a photo uh, nicely, like, laying out the document. You, like, hold it up at the beach, you know? (laughs)
2: Yeah, and then I have a nice beach memory every time it asks me, like, if I remember my tax forms. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Are we ready for another topic? Sure. Sure. Max, your topic is linguistics of swearing and taboo.
0: Yeah. In college, uh, one of my favorite classes that I ever took was linguistics of swearing and taboo. That's such a good class. Yeah, it was uh, Ling 269. Nice. Uh, and the professor revealed that that was intentional on the final day of the course. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, spoilers for Ling 269, <laughs> but it's, it's very good. Uh, the professor for this class is one of like the premier experts on the linguistics of swearing and taboo. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I learned in that class was that uh, swearing in like exclamation form is not stored in either part of the brain that like syntax or like performing or comprehending language is normally yeah. stored in. It's in where you just where your screams are, it's like <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a separate system. Yeah, and so like in in the like classic case, I think it's for like Wernicke's aphasia. Mm. One of one of the like prime case studies was this guy, uh, and all he could say was "pan." Oh. he believed he was performing language, and he would just be like "pan, pan, 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 pan." Yeah. So if he's flying a plane, he could still ask for assistance. <laughs> Is that what they're saying in the the mummy weird trailer? Yes.
1: Pan pan is a, is, it's like a, I think it's a milder form of mayday.
0: Oh, huh. okay. I should use that in my everyday life when people are like, how are you doing? And I'm like, it's not mayday, but. Yeah. <laughs> I think people, I mean, you
1: should definitely do it, but I don't think people will understand what you mean. Yeah. But then after you do it enough, they will. Yeah. Language. <laughs> yeah. This is this is why I keep using words Winston doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> so I was explaining to him that I, like I was I would put my my the arms of my glasses in hot water to make them more pliable.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh-huh. Like he's got to learn what pliable means someday.
2: Might still be today.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. One time I asked my dad what lead was and he printed out the Wikipedia page for the element lead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, we're getting a lot of Max's dad content on this show. And I have to say, I don't like him that much.
0: <laughs> oh, no. Well, uh, he, he told great bedtime stories. Uh, OK, right?
1: great. That's excellent. That's OK, nice. I've got now it's now we're back to even. <laughs>
0: yeah, they, the bedtime stories were mainly about these alternate worlds where they had fruits that tasted like different fruits, uh, but they didn't know it because they they had uh, that's that's the fruits they had. Right. Which is kind of relevant to earlier. Yeah.
1: let right, let's let's go back. We were we, you were telling me a story about Pan Pan the aardvark.
0: Yes, <laughs>
2: the guy with kind of Broca's aphasia.
0: Pan Pan the human man. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> was a a noble man. He had language comprehension, but he couldn't perform language. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could only say Pan, and this was like one of the key studies because after he died they like looked at his brain and they could see where his brain just said pan on it. <laughs> yeah
2: in the part where normally people would have like the, the language production it was just pan right,
1: right. normally they have the dictionary etched in the wrinkles of their brain
0: yeah and he just had pan right but in the study of mm-hmm. like this like groundbreaking study it's like here is where language is he could only say pan mm-hmm. there's just like a tiny side note that's like Also, he could still swear. (laughs) (laughs) But that was, like, not appropriate in academia at the time. So that was not highlighted, even though it's pretty fundamental that he can... Because he would be like, pan, pan, pan. And then he would get so frustrated with not being able to communicate. And he'd be like, ah, fuck. (laughs) And then go back to me pan, 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 pan. Because that's not stored in the same place.
2: Yeah. I'm actually, like... I really wonder if it's similar process that happens, like if somebody's like having a nonverbal episode. Mm. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's a similar sort of like struggle, like an aphasic situation, and like the the swearing definitely seems to be like I don't know, like easier to produce.
0: <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. I believe that's also linked to some forms of tics, and oh. that occurs for verbal tics.
2: Like caprolalia? Yeah. Huh. Oh, that's interesting.
0: Another great thing that came out of that uh, linguistics class was mm-hmm. we got... Let me, I'll see if I can find the link for you, but it is a comprehensive uh, timeline of euphemisms for genitals in written language <gasps> going back to uh, the 12th century. Oh
2: my God, that's delightful.
0: Wow. And it is an incredible list because there's one, there's one for penis and there's one for uh like a vagina Mm -hmm. and there's there's a bunch of subcategories in there but it's i definitely have it bookmarked somewhere in my pile of bookmarks
2: all right well i'll look forward to that link yeah uh
0: and there's a bunch that it's just so striking because they seem modern Mm. but i realized that like they seem modern because uh swearing is often like alighted from historical documents and like historical things.
1: Right, right. The the monks didn't make any illuminated manuscripts about swearing.
0: <laughs> yeah, or like those aren't the ones that are shown in schools. <laughs> like Right.
2: There's the one of the guy playing trumpet with his butt.
0: Oh,
1: right. Yeah, we so they did, we just didn't we haven't been told about that. Right, them. It's the
2: secret manuscripts. Yeah.
1: So, do you think that like the people who bowdlerize their own swearing, mm-hmm. do you think those also function as screams? Or do you think they're, like, stifling a scream effectively and then, like, maybe they're just saying the word scream <laughs> and, like, expecting that to be as as, uh,
0: <laughs> as effective?
2: I have a theory on this, but, like, if your class said, then I want to know the actual answer.
0: I don't remember specifically. I think it was something that varied from person to person. but Okay. And, like, how they generally, generally it errs on the side of, the swear that's used culturally is the one that's stored there. It's not, like... If you're using, like, a sanitized version... Like minced. Yeah. Doesn't tend to be the real one that's in there.
2: Yeah. Like, my guess would be that, like, if you are, like, creating, like, a novel minced tier swear, then it, like, would go through the standard verbal production route. So you'd have to, like, like manually cut off the swear and then switch to verbal. But, like... Right. Once you have that, like that phrase, like entrained as like the you've,
1: you've practiced it. About. Yeah, it's
2: conceptualized as a swear word for you now. Then I would guess it it could move into the like the little special swear store. I think
0: hopefully, find a stranger in the Alps has become a real swear <laughs> for me because I do like mutter it when I'm angry. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> and that's from the the TV edit of the Big Lebowski. I've seen a
1: list of all the different minced oaths they have, and some of them are incredibly creative.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because there's like from snakes on a plane. Mm -hmm. There's like I'm tired of these monkey fighting snakes (laughs) on this Monday to Friday plane.
2: (laughs) Can be so creative.
0: It was also interesting in that class. One of like the bigger structures they talked about was like what gets to be swears in different Mm -hmm. languages, and like over time what what shifts something to be taboo enough that it becomes a swear and it varies greatly culture to culture yeah like american focus on like our most severe swears like we have sexual swears but we also have like our more severe category tends to be slurs Mm -hmm. and that mostly dates back to the world wars and just like when there was such a high percent of the population that was fighting in a war and then coming back and then like had this language of speaking about others. Mm. Uh and that's what like emphasized that as the the divide and how to swear.
2: Yeah, I I had like heard about like these linguistic differences between like uh like this language tends to have like religious focus swears like tabernacle or whatever. Um where like other ones like tend to have like excrement focus swears or like ones based on like family structure stuff like yeah. Like, insults focusing on, like, your mom or your sister, right? And I've I never heard of any, like, discussion of, like, how that develops.
0: Yeah. One thing they talked about was the holy shit shift, mm-hmm. uh, which is, like, in medieval Europe, if you have the phrase holy shit, mm-hmm. uh, the holy part starts out as the more taboo part to say. Uh-huh. Because uh, culturally in, like, medieval Europe, there is not a lot of enforcement for laws, you're just kind of relying on the ambient religious force that's like, Uh, if you do something wrong, then, like, God will come and deal with that. Mm -hmm. And so unagreed oaths are the more sinister thing, or, like, the thing you're not supposed to say.
1: Yeah, that's interesting.
0: But then the idea is as cities got bigger, then, like, sex and excrement got more taboo, because... Previously, like, most families lived in a one-room house, so you you didn't have a lot of sexual taboo, uh, even though it was, like, predominantly Christian culture. It wasn't Puritan in that way.
2: I don't know how much I should, like, talk about my sex life on your podcast.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go get a glass of water. <laughs>
2: yeah, go do that. <laughs> but, like, I... I tend to be nonverbal during sex, but I can still swear. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, is moaning the same thing as screaming? The same thing as swearing? Mm.
1: You should. You should do it. Run a test to see if you can uh, say minced
0: oaths instead.
2: <laughs> I should try that.
0: And as a control, the phrase minced oaths. Yes, sounds delicious.
2: Yeah, I have had people who were like would really like like me to, like, I don't know, do dirty talk or whatever. And I just literally, like, physiologically, psychologically <laughs> can't produce anything that complicated.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I empathize strongly with that. And it's nice to have, <laughs> uh, as a very ADHD person, uh, to have an autistic partner. So uh-huh. We have enough overlap uh, to understand each other well, but also enough... Uh, divergence that uh, we don't tend to have the same problem at the same time.
2: That's good.
1: Yeah. Uh, That's all the time we have for Topic Lords. Uh, Elena, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet?
2: I still exist on Discord.
1: Cool. Uh, And Max, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet?
0: Well, Erica isn't here to stop me this time, but (laughs) I suppose I won't put my phone number on the internet. Uh, But you can email me at max dot infinity at gmail.com. Max has two X's and infinity is the regular word. Infinity.
1: Someone on the topic Lords discord said a number range. They said 500 to 1000 in order like to, to specify like a number, a number of something as mm-hmm. an approximation and discord thought 500 to 1000 was a phone number. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now I know this guy's phone number in case I ever want to call. <laughs>
2: You don't have the
1: area code. That's true. I'll have to ask.
2: Just try every area code in sequence. Yeah, yeah
1: there's only a thousand of them. Well, right. in, in the United States. <laughs> thanks so much for being on Topic Lords.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for having us.
1: Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!